In order to produce a greater relationship with God, you have to have faith. And that means that you believe in things that you don't necessarily see in front of you. I have a vast imagination due to that discipline of faith building. Hi, I'm Katie White, and this is The Art Angle, a podcast from Artnet News where the art world meets the real world, bringing each week's biggest story down to earth. For centuries, Western art making centered around religious imagery. During the Middle Ages and Renaissance, icons, altarpieces, and stained glass windows were regarded as meditative objects through which the faithful might reach a more profound religious transcendence. Needless to say, the art world of 2021 is far more secular, and openly religious artists are few and far between. So, what does it mean to be a devotional artist today? Our guest on the art angle is Genesis Tremaine a Brooklyn-born artist whose expressive portraits have conjured up comparisons to Jean-Michel Basquiat and even Pablo Picasso. As a child, Tremaine first started drawing during church. Today, Tremaine, who is queer, still considers herself a devout Christian. In fact, she credits her works to the divine inspiration of the Holy Spirit. I am happy to have Genesis on the podcast to talk about her art and how it relates to her faith. Hi, Genesis. Welcome to The Art Angle. I'm very excited to have you on. I'm just going to dive right into it. I had read that you actually started drawing in church to keep yourself quiet when you were a little kid. Can you tell me more about that and how your art making has kind of always been entwined with religion? I began drawing because it was more natural than writing. <laughs> I've always drawn. I've always been a doodler, if you would. But when I was in church, sure enough, I was a talker. You know, I would get up and clap and sing at times that maybe weren't the most appropriate. And I was often instructed to sit on the back pew. And on the back pew, there were um, hymn books. And I would sketch inside of the hymn books. I would sketch inside of the Bibles. That's true. The good Lord to forgive me for those spaces. <laughs> but in those spaces, I found a love for sketching. I found a love for trying to keep up with the energy that the gospel fed me from those early years of church in those sketches. And I'm really grateful that they anchor so much of my work today. I didn't know that it was anchored in the word religion. I just knew that it felt mm-hmm. good. I just knew that I liked what it looked like. I liked that I was able to produce something, if you would, that didn't look like anything else I'd seen. I don't come necessarily from an art background, but I do come from a creative background. I was raised by very, very strong black hands, all rich with very, very niche creative skills. And those skills, I've just pulled from them so much. And so I don't know that it was always religion Mm. as far as like Catholicism or, you know, anything like that. I don't know if it was a specific religion, but I do know that it was wrapped in a very, very black religion, if you would. You know, you get up, you go to church this Black discipline, if you would, of being quiet and listening to the good word while it's spread. And in that practice, I learned to sketch. So I was actually going to ask you, your grandmother was a big inspiration for your 2020 exhibition, Parables of Nana at Almin Rec. And your mother, too, I know, is a gospel music enthusiast. And I just wonder if you can talk about the women in your family and the role of faith when you were growing up and the lessons that that has carried into your life as an artist today. Thank you for asking me that. I always enjoy highlighting the parables that my Nana has embedded in me. I wouldn't be who I am without those very, very intentional, intense, if you would, lessons from my grandmother and mom. As far as faith goes, I don't come from material wealth, if you would. I do come from 
cultural wealth. And so I was taught in order to produce a greater relationship with God, you have to have faith. And that means that you believe in things that you don't necessarily see in front of you. I have a vast imagination due to that discipline of faith building that my family enriched in me. So I would say that, yeah, I do walk with a lot of that. I've learned to lean on God in spaces in particular where I don't understand. My role with Christ hasn't always been clear to me. Whether or not I can have a relationship hasn't always been clear to me. So those early sayings and instructions and whispers from my grandmother and mother play over and over in my head because, again, it doesn't always feel the way I thought it would or look the way I thought it should. Mm -hmm. And so I'm grateful for my prayer life. But again, it really relies so much on the bedrock of those early prayers. You know, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray my Lord, my soul to keep those early prayers that my mom and grandmama taught me are still rich in my heart and, and very rich in my work, I'd say. Can you talk a little bit about your journey to an embracing of Christianity? Kind of from what you said, you weren't always so maybe openly Christian. And if you could just tell me a little bit about that journey and ultimately like handing over your inspiration to God. Yes, sure. I taught high school math for many years and algebra in particular, and I, I loved it. I absolutely loved my students and I, I love the field of education. And I believe that I gained so much in those years of service creatively. My students taught me so, so, so much. They were as great of teachers as my Nana and mother were. But I knew I wasn't doing all that I could do in the world, if you would. I wanted to give the world more. I prayed to God to work through those spaces of service so that I could lean into the lane of art from a professional space. I think the conditions around that are devotion for me. I hit a point in my life a few years ago where I really couldn't tell necessarily what was up from down. And to God be all glory, back to those early faith teachings, you know, I was taught to lean on God. I don't have nothing else. I don't know what was going on in my world right now as a woman, if you would. That sort of 30-year-old point in your life had hit me really hard. And I realized that I hadn't been to church in a while. I hadn't felt welcomed in a church in a long time. Those prayer spaces birthed works from the God is Trans show. I joined a church. I was welcomed by Unity Fellowship Church. I've spread my wings there. I paint live there. I sketch live there. I pray live there. My ministry, if you would, is welcome there. And it has been allowed to flourish there. But it has not always been welcomed in traditional churches. I've been called out on pews. I've walked into many churches with my wife and unfortunately not always been loved on immediately. But to God be glory, once I speak the name of Christ, it seems to pardon the river, if you would. And so I don't speak harshly on those church experiences because we are people. And I think that sometimes it's not easy to accept a difference. And it's certainly not easy to accept a change. And so I'm grateful that God has given me art because it creates a lane for me where those two things are necessary, <laughs> very necessary. As a queer married woman, I mean, how do you think that part of your identity has influenced your faith or does it maybe give you a different aspect to your faith? Well, yeah, absolutely. It's one of those legs that I have as a woman. <laughs> is the strength. I have a wife. Oh my goodness. I have a black, beautiful wife. She's such a stone, man. She's such a partner to march with. She's such a, an important, important, important spirit in my life. My work, it's encouraged by her in such a great way. And I'm supported by her. And so that, again, that makes my day-to-day -day just easier, to be honest. And I think love is something that is respected by, <laughs> by love. And so if there are people who know God, then they would understand that 
There is no part of who I am that Jesus doesn't have room to occupy, even my queerness, even my relationship mm-hmm. with my wife. So it's all out and open and public because that's very much in accordance with how the relationship that I have with Jesus is, right? Like there are no secrets between us that I have faith that I get to be all of who I am under the eyes of God in the name of Jesus. I have faith that those who love me are accepted under the eyes of God and those who don't. And I have faith that the love of my life, of my wife, that our love is accepted under the eyes of God in the Mm -hmm. name of Jesus. I believe that. It has been my journey as a person to travel the word of God, to gain a better understanding and a better knowledge. Man, I just want to understand a little bit more about who I am in God. And today I am a queer woman married to a woman. But I don't know who I've been, and I certainly don't know where the good Lord has taken me. But I think either way, Jesus loves me. Jesus loves all of us and all of our differences. And so I think that it strengthens it. It gives me an encouragement, if you would. What is the feeling you're waiting for when you're going to make an artwork? And can you describe it? And also, how do you tap into it? It's no tapping. It's a walkway. Mm -hmm. I don't want to tap in with God. I want to walk with grace. So in the morning when I pray, in the morning, dear Lord, thank you for my day. Thank you for my family. Thank you for my home. Thank you for my puppy. Thank you for my practice. You know, please walk with me today, dear Lord, because I don't know what's in front of me, but you do. It's a walk with, sister. It's not a tap in because I need God all the time, Mm -hmm. sis. I mess up so much. We human. We're built to like mess up. So I'd rather have God all the time than tap in. So I would start by answering that way. And then I would also say it's important to stay in rhythm and in flow with the Christ. And I've learned that that means that um, I need to be a constant listener, right? The best way I can describe it is like maybe the way a doctor would feel when they're on call. You know, you're always available. So when the good Lord taps my left shoulder and says, let's get up and go, you know, I get up and go. And it's not always necessarily paint that's involved in that get up and go. It's just answering that call. I've been studying St. Samuel and what it means to really, really answer a call. For me, I'm learning it's just to be available, really, really open and available. I know that Genesis essentially means creation. And I guess following from that, do you think that you were called to be an artist? Oh, not kind of. I have been called by the Lord in the name of Jesus. And I have asked if I can be an artist. And I believe that the Lord Mm -hmm. is allowing that grace. It's a very, very material world that we live in, sister. And I'm grateful for the lane that God gives me a space to create something within that material lane with different materials from different places. Many of your paintings are reflections on saints and your series Evidence of Grace is filled with images of King David. I just wonder if you can talk to me about the saints or biblical figures you chose and kind of why you think painting them is important. Sure. I read the word a lot because it's important. And it's also, it builds a great understanding for me within myself about why I'm doing all of this, right? Like, why am I interested in this relationship with God at all? I'm constantly in rhythm and flow with how can I get closer? How can I get deeper? So I I read the word a lot. And I tend to sketch through my receiving of most things. My notes have always involved sketches, if you would. It's easier for me to sketch through my understanding of something sometimes than it is for me to scribe it, if you would. So as I read through the word, you know, I question, I write questions down, I write pictures down, I pray through that space. And then, you know, I circle names in the word. And sometimes that practice lands on the canvas and those gospels form a portrait that I'm told to name after one of the saints that I've been sitting with in the word for a while. 
I think it's important when you read the word to put yourself in the mind frame, if you would, of what's going on in order to understand it, or at least I do. I think it's important that you um, paint a, a real narrative and honest reflection. I don't think they look like saints as they have been given to us because I think that yeah. the portraits are honest reflections. And I think many of the portraits that have been given to us in traditional art forms of Renaissance agents, I think that those were untrue. They were mm-hmm. false narratives. They were paid for by very, very wealthy conglomerates, very similar to the way things are now. It's just that this black face has a little bit more control over what happens mm-hmm. in the studio and prayer. I get to be honest about what the good Lord tells me. I get to be honest about what my prayers enrich my spirit with. I get to be honest in reflection. Every chance that I get to paint, I think, oh man, I'm so grateful for the painters who have come before me and the painters in the world right now because we have such a large responsibility, sister. But unlike many who have come before me, I have an avenue to be honest. God is with me. I can be completely honest in my delivery. So the saints, they are biblical saints and they're rich with gospels that are necessary Mm -hmm. for this generation and the ones that are to come. It's a painted language, sister. It surpasses our literal language. So sometimes it's easy to understand and sometimes it goes right over my head, if you would. It's interesting to be given a responsibility to paint for the future. (laughs) I wonder, are there particular figures from the Bible or saints that you identify with personally? Um, no, I love all of them. You know, like when I was in David, Mm -hmm. I was like David for a while, you know, and then I was like Goliath for Mm -hmm. a while. And, you know, yeah, I play the bad guy too, you know, because sometimes guess what? You know, I'm a little bit more maybe assertive behind the driving wheel than I need to be. I have Goliath days, you know, so sometimes I sit into Mm -hmm. those roles. You really, really pray through all of it. Right now I'm reading through Ruth. Oh my goodness. I cannot wait for you guys to see this work that is coming, honey. I am having such a good time in this womb life, in this feminine life, in this woman, in this, oh, I'm having such a wonderful time. So to paint portraits, if you would, as they come to me, truly is to occupy the space as I would a dance, if you would. That's what it looks like truly when I'm painting. If you were to turn on a video recording and record me, you'd see me praying looks like dancing. You know, that's what it looks like, that's what it feels like. So in order to occupy that space fluidly, I believe you have to really, really, really just allow the word in without judgment, you know, and without fear. And in order for me to do that, I pray through that because sometimes I don't always understand it immediately, right? Sometimes I have to read the word over and over. Like right now, Ruth is considered, a, I guess, a short chapter or a short book, but I've been reading it over and over again because I don't want to miss anything, you know? That energy, oh man, it fuels the work. Oh my goodness, because it fuels my prayers, you understand? So yeah, you know, right now my favorite is Ruth, you know? If you ask me in a month, that might change, you know? If you ask me while I'm doing laundry, that might change, you know? So I think one of the coolest things about being familiar with the Bible and not a preacher of it and certainly not necessarily a scholar of it, just familiar with the stories, if you would, is that a story is something that's available, it's relatable, you know? So I think the fact that I'm given this gift of painting it in gospel is beautiful because the portraits are relatable. You know, it's not about whether the saints have a traditional nose or a traditional skin or, you know, black or white, you know, it's not about that. It's, It's about the experience that you get to have with the saint <laughs> in spirit, if you would. And in paint, it's past the traditional lens that we've been given to look at portraits through. And so I'm really, really grateful for the opportunity to paint from that perspective. Mm-hmm. 
what does painting afford you as a person? Why painting and why not another medium? Because sister, let me tell you, honey, if I could play an instrument right now, it would probably be uh, the guitar, but I'm not very good. And my singing is not, I'm getting there. You understand? It's been in my back pocket. You travel with paper when you're a schoolgirl and you have an ink pen, you know, and you have a pencil. I've created beautiful works with very simple mediums, if you will, since I was a child. And the moment, the very moment I got a chance to create with paint, I did. And then I ran out, sis, because paint is expensive. And I paint heavy. I drip heavy. My mom and my grandmother, they're like, listen, we just bought you the sketch pad, chat. How, how many sketch pads do you need? You know, <laughs> seriously. I was a kid that chose between, you know, those little Crayola watercolor. I don't know if you guys remember those, those Crayola watercolor um, packs. Oh, yeah, yeah, I do. I do. I do. So, you know, they're hard. When you get them, you have to add water in order for the color to, you know, <laughs> to work. Well, I was taught to add all types of things in order to thicken the medium and, and how to manipulate the medium with just that little color block that we were all given in, in that Crayola pack, if you would. Man, like, I just love to draw, you know? I've always just loved it. And I think my family supported me by showing me how to do little tricks with it, you know, with the things that we had. And I've learned that that's the wealth, <laughs> that that was a gift, you know, that that was the thing that I could take to God and ask God to enlarge, if you would, and to God be glory. Uh, here we are, sister. I know that you are a gospel music enthusiast. So before I ask you which fine artists you like, who are your favorite musicians right now? What are you listening to? Right now, Jonathan McReynolds. I think he's a brilliant writer and singer. I really, really enjoy Shirley Caesar. I've been running Aretha Franklin's Amazing Grace. I listen to contemporary gospel. I also yeah. write gospel music. Tremaine Hawkins, I was named after her. Those are some of my favorites that are coming to mind right now. Oh, wow. I did not know that. <laughs> okay, so then fine artists. Are there any fine artists that you find particularly inspiring, contemporary or otherwise? Sure. An odd exchange that I had at the Guggenheim, it's the one that I, I always sort of go to because I've really, really had an exchange with the work. And it was with Hilma of Clint. Man, I just found her compositions and scales. At the time, I, I wasn't painting at such a large scale. And so I just admired her breath. Oh man, I just really, really, really enjoyed the experience that I had with the paintings. Yeah, wow, just really, really, really cool experience. Of course, Barclay Hendricks, whose work I just, you know, wow, 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 wow. I really like when I can sit in front of work and have an hour experience, if you would. So those are some that comes to the head that I've sat in front of and had to step back, you know, before I step forward, step back before I step forward. Oh, that's a good dance before a painting. And so that encourages me when going into the studio. I want to make sure that I'm painting with, that I'm praying with an energy. I'm walking with an energy, if you would, that believes and trusts back to that faith part that I can do something in this world that can help yeah. somebody else move in and move back and shift left and shift right around their perspective of perhaps spirituality and their exchange with themselves in that space. And if it's through painting and art, a medium that I've always loved, well, man, 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 what a gift. That's the way God works, you know? It ain't me. Even if some artists maybe privately hold religious beliefs, there are very few artists who are kind of openly religious, especially Christian. And mm -hmm. I wonder why have you chosen to be so open? And do you think that in some sense you're breaking the mold? 
Oh, sister, I really don't know how to be quiet about this. I can't help it. God's really good. I don't know what else to say. Is I feel like anything else would be dishonest, you know? I do live a prayer life, you know, as best I can. Again, I think that we live in a world where I get to be completely honest about my relationship with God, point blank and period. I don't have to hold any other barrier in front of me. The good Lord has said that I'm going to face adversity, but that I will be protected. So then I shall march forward, sister. I shall go ahead. Let's go. <laughs> Let's get the paintings done. You know, it's greater than me. And I'm grateful that it is because if it weren't, I don't know that I would have the back to keep up with it. So I'm grateful that God has given me this voice. I don't know about breaking a mold, but if that means that somebody else finds the strength to be all of who they are and march forward with that, then hallelujah, <laughs> then job well done. I just want to be honest, sister. I think that for so long, these amazing narratives that come from the Bible, that come from the almighty word, have been choked down with these patriarchal views and perspectives. And I think it's about time that since we have breath in us, I think I should be honest, sister. I really, really should. I, I, yep, I'm willing to be. Somebody else was honest with me. So I'm willing to be. Have people been mostly positively receptive to it? Were people surprised when you first started talking about Jesus with your work? Or has it mostly been a positive reception? Sister, it has mostly been uplifting. Here's the thing I've learned, sis. The more vulnerable I am with this work, the more vulnerable I'm received. So even if it's a quote unquote negative response, maybe it's a question that's off-putting, if you would, or a question that could be seen as offensive. In that moment, what I have is the ability to step back, right? Pull myself into prayer and then give everything I got. It doesn't all have to be bad, sis. Sometimes people are just confused. Sometimes people don't have the language to express confusion. Sometimes people don't have the language to express love. If I weren't built for this, God wouldn't have put me here. So if I'm before a saint who has questions about the art or religion or prayer, because all of that comes up before my work. And sometimes it's just about, you know, just about art. It's about the layers of the work, you know? So I love the flow of the conversation. I pray to be available for all of it. I think I have a responsibility to. I don't think I always just get to sit with this prayer life by myself. I want to share it. I want to be available to others in that way, if I can be. Do you think that your artwork can be understood outside of the context of faith? Um, yes, <laughs> of course. <laughs> it's colorful. It's large. It's a portrait. The colors have sound if you listen close enough. I'm looking at some of the portraits that I just finished. The layers have stories and narratives that may remind you of things or not. So yes, I think if you like new things, if you like creative things, if you like round things or square things, or if you like things with shapes, or if you like things that jump off of a page, if you like something other than the norm, I think that you'll lean into art genres. And I think in particular, my work. After the kind of tumult of the past year, and now we're still sort of in this uncertain time, I know your show Evidence of Grace kind of dealt with ideas of Black Lives Matter movement and even the coronavirus. Where are you headed now? Evidence of Grace proved once again how real God is. We are rolling through such an interesting storm, if you would. I use rolling lightly because sometimes it's felt like a floating ship. Sometimes it feels like a sinking boat. <laughs> sometimes I feel like Jonah. Right now I feel like Ruth. Right now I'm in Ruth's sister. Today I woke up feeling good. 
when I get off with you guys, I'm going to pray and I'm going to hit the studio. That's where I'm at today. Mm-hmm. I know that um, I'll be showing at the Armory with Amin. I'm excited for that. I'm looking forward to that. It's in New York. That's really, really cool. And I'm really, really excited for the work. That's what's in the back of my mind. I know that's happening. I'm really hoping that I get down to um, Miami in December, hopefully for Basel. I'm currently showing with the Rubel Museum. So that would be really great too. I'll probably be there, maybe. God willing, we'll see. Yes, there's so much uncertainty about what will happen. Can you tell me a little bit about your residency at the Rubel Museum? So the Rubel Museum is in Florida. I was invited to come down to uh, paint some portraits. I met Mira and Don Rubel, and they welcomed me with open arms and introduced me to a prayer space and a studio space and the beach. (laughs) Those are my grounds for the most of the time that I was there. And I was able to produce really, really beautiful works. I produced a series called Sanctuary. Can you tell me about Sanctuary? I know that it was during kind of like the height of COVID, right? Yes. So I might be like downplaying a little bit. It was during the height of COVID. It was a lot going on. We were all taking very, very serious health precautions. And um, somehow they made it feel very warm. Of course, very safe, but very, very warm experience. I focused on the story of Esau. I focused on what it meant to like attain a birthright. I was really, really at that point of the word, if you would. I was in Genesis and I was reading mm-hmm. about these two brothers, Jacob and Esau, who I just really, really fell in love with their story. And I had been reading the story before I got the invite. You know, it's what I went with and it went well. There are eight portraits and there are also some works on paper that are a part of the show. It's between two rooms and it really layers the story of Jacob and Esau and their parents and the lineage that I thought was most important to highlight within that biblical mm-hmm grace if you would so it's a really really i think great show what do you like Um, about the story of jacob and esau the differences between the brothers i like how controversial the story still is today if you would i really enjoy the story of rebecca a lot laban stood out to me a lot they're just such unique personalities in this story it's a really fun story if you would that allowed me to lean in to the grace of god a little bit closer through something that was really really relatable there are these two brothers that are twins and one has favor with mom and one has favor with dad. And there is a lot of sibling rivalry in the Bible. <laughs> there is, there is, but there's a lot of sibling rivalry in the world, you know? So it's like, it's interesting how reflective it is. It's usually very reflective and not very different. It was at a time where I needed to feel really, really safe. And so I leaned into uh, Psalm 91 a lot. I leaned into my prayer life. I just happened to be in Miami. I gave the residency everything I had, and I was given room to do so. I think one of my favorite parts about the residency was the exchange that I was afforded with the Rubels, right? Because I'm sitting with just such a vast knowledge, if you would, of art processes. And so it was really, really cool to sort of listen and learn about different stories from artists within their collection and some of the things that they faced as artists. I learned a lot. I really did. I was poured into And it was nice to be treated with such kindness. The director, Juan, was also incredibly um, just such a friend, literally. So sometimes it's those pockets of joy are kind gifts from God, truly. And I I was grateful for them because it was during a really, really tumultuous time in our world, if you would. And I was given this beautiful space to create in, you know, so it was really, really nice. 
My last question is, I am not a morning person, but I have heard repeatedly that you are a morning person. Why are you a morning person? What do you like about the morning? Sister, I know I say this. Can I just, can I love you for a minute? Listen, I'm closest to myself. I can hear myself. That's why I love the mornings. I can really, really hear myself. I get to sit with my highest self. So I get to hear from my highest self. I get to sit in prayer in a really, really quiet, quiet space because the world tends to be more quiet in the morning. It's easier for me to center myself. I don't wake up to alarm clocks. I wake up when woken up, when, you know, spirit taps, I'm up. That tends to be early. For a long time, I questioned it. I journaled about it. I would paint through the night and I thought that's what I was supposed to be doing. And no, it's just, you know, if I'm up at 5 a.m., go into prayer so that I can be ready with the good Lord calls me to. It's a very healthy practice, in my greatest opinion, to rise when risen. And for me, that's very early. Yeah, I'm able to do more in the day. I'm able to see the day. I get to see sunrises that I don't hit on Instagram. It's just a relationship with my day that I get to have, you know? Oh, it's such a great song. I really invite you, for real. Like, if you can, if you can do it for like 30 days, you know, just wake up at like 6 a.m. I would charge to five, you know, but you can do six. Okay, we'll start with 6 (laughs) a.m. We'll start with the baby steps, right? Yes, baby steps for me, certainly. (laughs) Um, Well, talking to you has been a pocket of joy for me. So I'm going to say thank you so much for joining us on The Art Angle. (laughs) Thank you, sister. For real, this has been great as well. That's it for this week's episode of The Art Angle. If you like what you heard, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Also, take a moment to rate and review us. It will help other listeners discover what we're doing. If you have feedback for us or maybe even a recommendation for a future installment of The Art Angle, email us at podcast at artnet.com. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-S at artnet.com. The Art Angle is produced by Sonia Manalili, Tim Schneider, and Caroline Goldstein. Thanks for listening and see you next week.